In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. The opening weekend of the 2026 Nations is now a matter of record and not one which England or their head coach Eddie Jones will be particularly happy with, I wouldn't have thought. Jones promised to be brutal and to bully his opponents up front, but was made to eat his words by a young French side who were better in almost every department. We'll get the thoughts of the former England centre Mike Tyndall on what needs to change for England ahead of next week's game with Scotland. As for Scotland, well, they were left to rue missed opportunities against Ireland in Dublin, notably... Obviously, from Captain Stuart Hogg, who inexplicably simply dropped the ball over the line when the game was finely balanced. But they were positive for Greg Townsend's side. Ireland got off to a winning start under the new coach Andy Farrell, thanks to 19 points from the newly appointed captain Johnny Sexton. And despite claims that Scotland had played better rugby, Farrell says he was very happy with the performance. We'll speak to the former Munster and Leinster back row. Liam Toland about what he made of Farrell's first game in charge. Next up for Farrell and for Ireland is another home game, but this time it's against the defending champions Wales, who cruised to victory over Italy in Cardiff. English-born Nick Tompkins impressed on his debut and must be pushing for a start against the Irish, and we'll speak to the former Ospreys head coach Sean Holly about Tompkins and also get his general thoughts on Wales First game under the new head coach, Wayne Pivak. Alongside me today, I'm delighted to welcome back the former Scotland and Lions fly-half, Craig Chalmers. Hi, Craig. Hi, Brian. Great to be here. Uh, good point made by uh, Stuart uh, E40 on Twitter. If you're going to shout about France and brutality, then pick an Exeter or Sarri size pack. Not Ewells at lock, two open sides of the back row. No recognised number eight, a lightweight fly-half. Inside centre and a scrum half who doesn't move the ball quickly. There's not a lot you can say about that, is there? Completely right. Uh, we'll, we'll go on to talk about England specifically uh, with, with Mike Tyndall, but let's go to France. Uh, it was a young squad. I personally doubted whether they could show the cohesion that they certainly did. Uh, I was surprised. They must have been very pleasantly surprised. What did you make of them? 
No, they've got a very got a young squad of players coming through that have won the last two under twenties World Cups. So they've got young talent coming through. But I think they mixed it with experienced guys as well. Um, you know, I thought I thought um Natamak, the halfbacks. I thought it was fantastic and you know, he's got great pace, he's you know, he's not, he's not played that much international over the last few years, but when he's played, he looks sharp. He's, he's cre- clever, isn't he's, he? He's cre- great little kicking game. But uh, you know, those two were excellent. You know, you've got some, you know, Rates and and Vaka, Vakatawa uh, in in the midfield. You know, it's a real quality players. But, it, but the most impressive thing for me was defence. The line speed, yeah. and I think you know we all we all wondered is Sean Edwards going to have an initial impact? How quick will it take? You know, and I think we saw it on Saturday in that well, first the, half. The, the, well, the thing is, you can't prove scientifically that Sean Edwards was absolutely responsible for no, that, but no. he is the um, the only common denominator between that and other performances we've seen other sides do. So he must have at least had a major impact. And one of the things that France have never been good at for a long, long time. He's doing all the horrible, hard, you know, unseen work that you don't get credit for. It's not flashy and so on. And yet they seem to, to relish in that and, and did that. And although, yeah, I mean, you've got to get this perspective. England did score 17 points unanswered. But, you know, they were the product of two bits of outrageous skill. From yeah. Johnny May, really. I think only one of the tries came from a, a nice, a nice back play. With the first time, actually, a little bit, te- little bit of deception. The ball went in the back, and and Johnny May got got loose. And when he gets loose, he's got some gas to burn. England just had had no invention uh, over the weekend. I felt I felt sorry for him. I think the the biggest problem is, it's when things aren't going right in the pitch. They seem to have a lack of little bit like leadership leadership at times. What what do we do? How do we change it? You know that that line is flying up at you. You know, make, make sure kicking game up a little bit more. You know, we did, they didn't, England didn't do that. So uh, you know they've got to really look at that. Uh, looking forward to this week because I think England uh, England coming to Murrayfield is going to be an absolute battle, and, and they'll be asked lots of different questions in that game. Let's get the uh, assessment of the former England World Cup winner. And centre Mike Tindall's on the line. Hello, Mike. Hello. Uh, now then, let's set about this. There, there are a lot of things went wrong. It's easy in hindsight, but um, what do you think of decisions like uh, not picking a number eight? Um, look, I think I think uh, I think <laughs> most people were saying you should always pick a number eight. I just don't like people playing out of position. And when you've got, you finally think you've cracked it with Underhill and uh, Curry at, at six and seven, and you've got players such as Simmons, Dombrandt, uh, Earls, who have all been doing a job for their club at eight, why you then feel that you need to take one of your best players in that position and in a position from parts of the game doesn't really have any experience of in a, in an away match and an opener is... A strange decision for me, I, and you know you could say that same thing about the fullback role with with Furbank in the in, in the same way. But we missed with it when we had our dominant scrums to you know middle of the first half towards the end of, and through to the end of the match. You missed someone like uh, Billy just taking control of that, whether it was going with the wheel or whatever it needed to be. Um, you just didn't have that, you know. Understandably, Curry just didn't have that confidence, to sort of, to sort of take the lead there, and and that's not his fault. He's a fantastic player, and when he's played in his own position, I just don't see why. What the point of it, 
with all the second row options that we had, why we had to play a second row in the back row, when we've got a six and seven that we know that we like, we've seen it all the way through the World Cup, I'm sure there's there's a few eights putting their hands up to to justify having a game out there. Yeah, because that's the point I was making before we, we spoke to you to Craig, is you've got to consider it's not that it's not who you don't play, it's when you take players away from what they should be doing and lose what they we know they can contribute. That that that's part of the equation. It's not just saying, oh, we, we you know we we haven't got a like for like number eight, therefore we'll do this. You've got to balance it against the fact you're taking Curry away from his position and and so on and so on. But tell you what, for for me, one thing that is is going to become very acute if it's not already, is the scrum half succession planning and indeed starting and 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 and, and birth positions because it seems obvious to me that there are after scrum halves like. Um, you know, you've you've got Spencer there, you've got um, uh, Robson and so on. That he just doesn't seem to rate. Now, if he doesn't, and he misses a whole generation, wh- wh- where else is he going to go? What 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 is he supposed to? What is he going to do there? No, I I completely agree with you. I've I've said this for two years uh, with the fact that you know, if you look at, oh, apart from the tour to Argentina that we went on, um, he's never really tried. Another option outside care, Wigglesworth, uh, Youngs, and then now Willie Hines. And obviously, Willie Hines probably isn't going to make uh, the next World Cup either. Obviously, Ben Spencer is doing it week in and week out and has been doing it for a few years down at, uh, at Sarries. You've, you've got to ask the question what, what is the plan there? You know, everyone's going to highlight it now off the back of how well Japan played that shows that the young players can turn up at that that level and play well in those key positions. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I, th- I just think it's quite negative. I don't think, if Youngs is not quite on his game, I don't think he's the same player as what, what he can be. I thought first half his, his kicking wasn't what we expected to be and we didn't put pressure on any of our kicks in terms of chase. Um, so I think they, they have to have a look because, you know, if you get too long, you're suddenly not going to have a Dan Robbins Dan Robson's going to be also 30 before he gets a cap. And I just I just don't see what the point is that. When, what what we try and play is, is, as Eddie says, brutal rugby. Which And nowadays, that involves playing speed of ball. And at the moment, I, I don't think we've got the people who are playing quickest ball away from rugby that we can get. I mean, just to put it in context, Scotland this week, even though they lost, not having Laidlaw there slowing down the ball... They looked completely different playing at the speed of the ball that they were, and caused caused problems. It was just up and away so quickly. Yeah, they didn't get the result, but that was one area that I thought was way better. There was no slowing it down, and England have to follow suit. And I think just the sheer fact that we are now only relying on people thirty plus is is a tricky point for me. But it has been for, for the last two years. Well, just let me put this this point to you as a as a wrap up point for this position. I'm told that um, Eddie Jones is not particularly happy with the leadership qualities of some of the scrum halves that we've mentioned in the chasing pack, the younger pack. Now, I don't know if that's true or not in terms of whether they do or don't take it. But if, for example, that is his view, how do you square what seems to be a very difficult circle to me then? Well, uh, I'll ask you another question. What did Ben Youngs do in that first half to change what England were doing? Uh, well, I agree, yes. <laughs> I, yes. I mean, that's Nothing. the thing. Is they, they talk about leadership and, and there has been games, World Cup final, Ben Youngs, 90 caps. How does, he, how does he influence the game? You know, he should really be bossing 
Faz around. But then everyone seems to look to, to Owen Farrell to do that. And I, I just think, you just look at DePaul, for, for example, you don't it doesn't prove to be an experience-based position or game. Yeah. You, you, you have to expose people to find out whether they can cope with well, it. Well, that's and, absolutely the point, isn't it? You're never going to know whether they lead or not if you don't play them. That's for certain. And you, and you can't, but then with someone like Spencer, you can't say that he can't, he can't he's not had the exposure. He's won Heineken Cups. Mm. He's won massive games in Europe. There is, his natural progression is the next step, is, is doing that for England week in, week out. And, um, you know, I know that Eddie wants to play, he, he relies on, he wants good box kickers, wants good kickers from around. But again, Ben Spencer, uh, you know, does that week in, week out. So, uh, yeah, I just don't buy into the argument. I, I, and I, I think now with rugby as general, in general, isn't an experience type, it isn't as much about experience now because teams seem to be only able to play one way. And if their way wins, then they win. If it doesn't win, they go, oh, we'll, we'll change it we'll change it next week, but no one ever does. You know, if you look at Saskia play the same nutritional rugby they've always played, and if it works, they're, they're very hard to beat, as in the World Cup final. Um, some teams play really loose. Um, you know, I was hoping to see Ireland play a different style of rugby, but they still played the way that they were playing in the World Cup. So, you know, it's, it's not that easy to change. So why, why don't you just you just get on board that you're going to have to bring young players through. You know, that, that France team in that uh, quarter-final against Wales were unplayable in the first half and they were young and they were just running angles and they were playing what they see. That's where the game, I think the game is really now. The, the experience side comes down to taking three points when you're 17-0 down straight after half-time and you should always kick those points rather than going for a scrum because, you know, the game is talked about in momentum nowadays and, the only one who wins that momentum, unless, well, obviously, unless you score a try, is, is France. They go up two points because they've now repelled you on their own line, which is what happened. Hi, Tins. England hi. Even, even longer to get into the game. Hi, Tins. It's Chick here. How are you doing? You okay? Hello, mate. Yeah, you're right. Listen, obviously, big talking points about midfield as well. Who you play at 10, who's at 12, and who's at 13 for England. You know, Looking forward to Murrayfield this weekend, who would your midfield be? I think... I personally would have Farrell back at ten, um, but it's who you, who would you play in the centre? Well, it, it all de- it all depends who's fit, and that's the problem. If if Manu is fit and fully fit, then the Ford and Farrell does work. But if then Manu goes off, which obviously happened on the weekend, then you sort of get a, a, mi- a, mi- a mishmash. I know to be, to be fair, Oli Devoto's probably not quite there for, for me, but then obviously Slade's injured. Um, you know, and then the question is: did you, Would you give someone like uh, the young Northampton guy a go? Dingwell, who runs, yeah, Dingwell runs really good lines, um, really good sport lines. He's, he's quite, you know, he's straight. He'll keep defenses straight. And then, but then, centres also come down to who's in your back three. Now, if you had someone like Joe Cockenzina who could come in and run your decoys and be a and carry for you, or Jack yeah. Noel or someone like that, then it gives you a bit more freedom in the centres, but. With the if you if you go play some lightweight wingers, then you need someone who's going to do the graph for you. And, and when Manu goes off, which he did obviously, unfortunately did after 50 minutes, that takes that element out. And when you've got Jonathan Joseph and always devoted on the bench, it puts you under a, a little bit of stress there. Well, it's, I mean, it's obviously good for a Scots. Uh, listen, it's uncertainty about who you're going to put in the backline this week because I think there's massive uncertainty who will play. Do you go with Furbank again, or do you give him another chance, or do you go back I, to Slade? Well, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair with Ford, he kicked exceptionally in that second half in terms of positionally. 
um, just pinning pinning France back, uh, and we we missed opportunities through handling errors off the back of it. But I think he did put us in the right areas of the field. Now, whether whether through the the actual squad that he's got to pick, um, obviously now this is a a must win game. So I don't think he I don't think he's going to do anything drastic. Um, obviously, it'll all wait on on Manu being fit. If Manu's not fit. I really don't know where he'll go. I think he'll play Jonathan Joseph, but then whether he shifts his ten and his twelve around, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, if you look at it, you haven't really got any big units out there um, no, who no. can who can actually run decoys and and be that. I'm not saying you need that. They're still all powerful athletes, but yeah, it's gonna have, it's gonna be something that's difficult to, to sort of note down on paper and actually get right. And you know, is he going to stick with Furbank or or is he going to have to change that? And you know. It, it, it is. A, it, there are a lot of difficult questions for the time. Yeah, sure. definitely. Mike, thanks very much for taking time All off right. the school run. I know that can be All difficult. Right. Good <laughs> man. They're going. They're going around in an electric uh, in an electric defender right now. It's so loud. I keep, <laughs> keep trying to run away from them so that you don't hear it. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. No worries. Cheers, cheers. Cheers, cheers, mate. I think the uh, I think the upshot of that discussion is that Eddie Jones. Um, has got limited room for manoeuvre if certain players aren't fit, and it will be. I would imagine if you're Scottish, you'd be quite pleased about that. <laughs> Delighted, I think. It's a cliche, but it's 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 said so often because it's absolutely true. If you lose your first Six Nations game, you can be in quite a lot of trouble because not only does it mean that you're off to a poor start and under pressure. It means the second game is absolutely crucial. If you lose the second game, it's the same for England and Scotland. That's it. You're not going to win the title. No. And who knows where your campaign might end. You could spiral into you know, ignominious, uh, inglorious failure, or you might steady the ship. But this is such a big game. And yeah, of the two, you know, Scotland didn't play badly at all. They probably should have won that game. Yeah, it's all about momentum, and I think uh, obviously Scotland went to to Dublin. I was over there, and you know we should have got something out of that game. You know, you can't drop the ball over the line uh, with nobody's around. You, you cannot squander opportunities. You don't get that many opportunities at this well, level. Well, the thing is, <laughs> they created quite a lot of things. But again, a bit like England, you saw the amount of ball they turned over in crucial areas in the yeah. twenty-two. The penalties they gave away when they were on the front foot. We create, we create a lot of good situations. You good, you know, good, good positions on the pitch. You know, five meters from the from the uh, Irish line. And then we got turned over. You know, we weren't accurate enough. We've got to be far more accurate at the breakdown. You know, I thought I thought our boys stood up to the Irish. They physically, you know, mentally, they were there. They looked strong, and you know, they did not let Ireland away with anything. But fair play to Ireland. They didn't show much invention. The one real bit of invention they had was Johnny Sexton's try, which was a lovely try. But they defended very, very well. And, you know, they did, you know, not always, not always legally, but as a Scotsman, I'm not sure I can say that. No, I didn't say But the, you know, Stander and, and Van de Fleer, they, they, they were outstanding at times on, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I think we will have to be... We're far more accurate at the breakdown and far more ruthless. When we get into the 22, into that red zone, we've got to take opportunities. We've got to build the pressure, put England under pressure, actually come away with some points, drop goal penalty, or hopefully a, a couple of tries. Well, it's been announced that 
Finn Russell will not be in the side again. Now, let's go into the background of this. Um, let, I mean, look, his old man was sacked by the SRU, wasn't he? Yeah. So uh, there's not a lot of good blood between the Russell family and Scottish rugby union in general. But the sort of details I'm hearing about, you know, refusal to leave the bar, refusal to carry on within the camp when he was offered and so on, just going home, suggests to me that this is not a short-term problem necessarily. No, it's not looking like it. Um, and to be fair, there has been a bit of an issue, I think, between Gregor and, uh, and Finn. It's not, it's not just about his dad, I don't think. There is that bad blood as well, but... His dad won the case against the SRU, I think, and it went to court. He challenged them and, and, and won the case. But it goes back to last year at halftime, um, England, England uh, Scotland at halftime, and England are 31-7 up. And I think the chat from the eye, the eye here is that Gregor comes in and goes, let's win the second half, whereas Finn goes, let's win the game. And, you know, they fell out over that. Um, obviously, maybe Gregor didn't think they could win the game. The boys proved different and they just about did win the game. And uh, I think there's a big fallout there and I think there's been a lot of a bit, bit of bad, bad blood since then, which sort of flowed over to the World Cup as well, mm-hmm. I think. And, and I think you sort of saw there's a little bit of disharmony in the squad um, between your senior players and, and the way they were trying to play the game. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to fix quickly. I think it may, be a, it may be back in before the end of the Six Nations, but um, from what I'm hearing... Um, until he apologises, you know, not just to the, not just to the, to Gregor personally. I think uh, to the to the squad. Uh, I think he you'll he, be, be left out. Could be waiting a while. Then uh, this is all made a little uh, less traumatic, isn't it, by the fact that Adam Hastings stepped up and played very very well. Yeah, no, listen, fair play to Adam. He's had a few games. He, he, he only won one game in the World Cup, but got man of the match in that game. But that was his first Six Nations start, and uh, I thought he played really well. It, you know, he, he didn't make many breaks, but he made time and space for others. I think Sam Johnston played off him really well at the weekend. Um, he, feel, he looked full of confidence. He kicked, he kicked uh, four out of five goals. Um, yeah, he looked pretty composed, and, you know, it's, it's good that he's done that. You know, and I think Finn, you know, listen... Finn and him got on really well, so he, he was on the phone to Adam and encouraging him, and you know hope, he, he would be hoping he did well, and and he did do well on Saturday. So it, it just maybe you know I th- the Finn thing is going to rumble on. Don't get me wrong, because he is a world class player, and Scotland do need him in the squad. But at the moment, Adam's going to get going to get the opportunity to play against England next weekend. But surely the point for me is this: yes, obviously you do need world-class players in your squad, particularly with Scotland where, let's face it, be fair, you don't have enough. Yep. But the fact is this, you can accommodate difficult players, but when they become divisive, by the absolute definition of that word and the fact that it's a team game, they can't be in a team. Oh. They have to get themselves into position where they're no longer being divisive. They're no longer dividing opinion. And until he gets into that place... Scotland just can't pick him, can they? No, they can't. And you know, there's no one player that's ever bigger than the team. You know, we, we, we know that. But I think the, the key here is, is Stuart Hogg. And Stuart Hogg is taking over the captaincy. Um, and, you know, there was a little gang of sort of senior players there. Stuart Hogg, Greg Laidlaw, John Barkley, Finn Russell, all big mates. Um, so I do think that Stuart Hogg's got a massive part to play in this 
Well, uh, just getting the guys back together, and and you know, Finn's got. I think Finn's got to just eat humble pie, and just come back and say sorry, and just you know, let's get rid of it. We don't need any negativity, any more negativity hanging over Scottish rugby. And at the moment, until he's back in the fold and involved with the squad, it's still going to be there. So we need to, we need to get it sorted sooner, sooner rather than later. And I think Stuart Hogg might be the key to that. Well, just let me make a, a final point on that before I ask you the final question about the forthcoming England-Scotland game. If you were out on a stag weekend and everyone's completely hammered, and uh, you all think, God, it's time to go to bed. And one guy says, no, I'm staying in the bar. I'm going to carry on drinking. You look around and think, why? And this is not, I mean, we're, we're, this is guys on a stag weekend, not, not professional athletes. And I just wonder, you know, if he looks at it seriously, uh, Finn Russell, he has to say, why, why, am I, what, what, why am I saying I need to, to, to carry on drinking? You know, what, what, what does that say about... My state of mind at the moment. What does it say about my relationship, you know, with things off the field? That's that's the that's the point I would make. He he needs to answer that, and only he can answer that. Just on for for, for next Saturday, if any, what what sort of changes do you think Townsend should could might make? Not sure. I was impressed. I was really impressed with uh, Craig Sutherland who came in, came in at prop. Very, very good. He'd been at rugby for four years, international rugby for four years. I thought he came in and did a really good job. I wouldn't make any changes. I'd keep exactly the same team. I don't think there's any reason to make any changes. I didn't think anybody had a bad game. Um, maybe you know, there's a couple of high balls, you know, a little bit in the air. There's stuff to work on. There's always stuff to work on. But I thought our physicality, our intent, I thought... Uh, Xander Tragerson, a, a prop. I thought he was tough and rugged, and just he's just annoying. He's a bit, he's a bit like a, 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 a Toji. Uh, but I thought gets, both second rows actually, you know, second row has been hit and miss for Scotland. You know, sometimes they perform well, and obviously when second rows don't put the grunt work in, you see it and you feel it, even if it's not ex- immediately apparent why things aren't going well, particularly in the loose because they do a lot of clearing. And that wasn't the case. No, I, I just thought the whole the, everyone looked like they were enjoying themselves out there. Okay, we didn't we didn't win. That's that's the biggest problem is our accuracy there. We didn't get over the line when we should have done. We didn't get the points on the board when we should have done. We didn't exert enough pressure on Ireland to get those points. But I just thought everyone looked like they knew what they were doing. It was a much more simpler game plan, a bit more direct than Gregor's had in the past, rather than going this wide, wide stuff, fast crazy stuff he was more direct and I thought Sam Johnston was a key to that he hit some great lines off line outs off, uh, off young Adam Hastings and I think we've got, to, we've got to play very very similar it depends what England pick because I think that's a massive key to how they play I think they need to make two or three four changes in, the, in their team and one of them would be Owen Farrell if you play if you play uh, four at ten on Saturday I think that will be one channel we go down quite a lot Well, the new Ireland head coach, Andy Farrell, said he was very happy with his side's win over Scotland. Let's get the perspective now from Dublin, from the former Leinster and Munster back row, Liam Toland, who is also writing now for the Irish Times. Hi there, Liam. How are you doing, Brian? Not too bad, mate. Um, Farrell says he was delighted with the win. Uh, they thrashed Scotland in the, in the World Cup a few months ago. How... Um, how happy should he be with the performance, do you think? 
Well, I think uh, to start off with, if if uh, Finn Russell was playing for Scotland, I think we might not have won that game um, because it became much tighter than what I had anticipated flowing into the weekend. And part of that reason was, uh, I think it was a pretty physical encounter. But if Scotland had tidied up a little bit of their game plan, some of the mistakes made, the obvious one is obviously the fullback and captain when he's still going over the, over the line. But there was less obvious ones, but the, the error count and the penalty count, and at the times when Scotland turned over possession, they were really attacking. And they spent an awful lot of time in Ireland's 22, much more than Ireland spent in Scotland's 22. So there's certainly worrying signs in a sense. But then there was kind of like little green shoots as well, Brian, where um, I thought that the, the Irish back three and midfield were much more on the ball. I think Ringo was at, I, I don't know what the stats are in terms of it, but having watched it, I think he had hands on ball way more than he had in the World Cup, we'll say. So there are certain aspects of the attack game that's definitely subtly changing. Um, I think the, the, the Irish scrum under the French referee, I don't know what you thought, Brian, but I thought it was a funny interpretation sometimes there. So that's a little bit of worry. And the, the, the platform that is the Irish line-out uh, didn't prove as fruitful as you like. So I think an awful lot of rugby is played, but in Ireland's sense, it was played in the middle of the park and very much less visits into the Scottish 22 than you'd expect. So uh, it was kind of a, a bit of positive stuff, but a lot of teething problems, a sloppy game at times, and Scotland contributed in both facets equally as well. I think when you don't have Devon Toner's weight in the second row, the, the, the second rows that played, they are very good players, no doubt about that. They're not heavy men, though. And I think... Uh, you know, you yeah, and Henderson, uh, Henderson packed down a tight head uh, as a tight head second on us. It's, that was unusual. I know mm. there's a new scrum coach in John Fogarty. He's a new scrum coach. Uh, obviously, Peak has gone on to, to different things. But Fogarty, who has come through the provincial system, was involved in Leinster. He's, he's scrum coach there now. I don't know why the change put Henderson in a tight head second row. That's the, the first time I've seen it. And James Ryan going in at loose head. So traditionally, Toner or Ryan were those types of guys. Uh, so there, there seems to be a subtle change in what they're doing at scrum time. I haven't, I haven't seen enough to really figure it out. But that's a definite difference from the past couple of seasons. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Because it didn't always work. They might have to, to jig around with that. I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, Kaelin Doris went off you know, with a head injury after only a few but I was speaking to Alan Quinlan about him and he uh, rates him quite highly. Um, do you think um, uh, he will come straight back in if he's available? And to what extent do you think his selection ahead of others uh, signals how Ireland want to play differently? And if so, you know, w- what is that? Well, well, I think back to what New Zealand were doing with Kieran Reid uh, when they were trying to remember after the first test against the Lions uh, they really got snapped by this Sean Edwards style of, of offensive blitz defense. And they set up Reed much further out, wider out in a pod. He was lighter kind of in the 13 slot, we'll say, and he set up a pod. And that would open up a blind side uh, for the Northern Hemisphere side to have to defend. And with the less numbers, they were less likely to blitz. And it meant that the double pivot of, a, of McKenzie at fullback for New Zealand or whoever the out half was, they could attack that short and they got a huge amount of positive return from it. I think having someone like Max Deegan, who's a Leinster player, or Caelan Darris, has the skill set and the, and the athleticism to mimic that style. I think they're more comfortable playing for Leinster, utilising the full width, the 70 metres, more so than what Ireland's been doing with um, CJ Stander in the past as a number eight. It's a very different style of number eight. He's an abrasive guy. He wants to get into contact very, very quickly. But I think those two guys in particular have a skill set and have come from a platform in Leinster that can... can 
ask questions in different parts of the field. And that's why I was really, really excited by the whole new season, obviously, in terms of the Six Nations, but seeing how the balance of the Irish back row could, could move the point of attack much wider than it has been for the last few seasons. Liam, it's Craig Chalmers here. How are you doing? Good, good, Craig. Uh, the last time I was talking to you, we were on a bicycle. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say on Saturday night in Dublin, but I can't remember. <laughs> uh, listen, obviously halfbacks, you know, obviously key part of the any team. But um, you know, Johnny Sexton at thirty-four. Do you think you know, being made captain? He's obviously always run the show. But um, you know, coming back, no rugby behind him in that first game. Was it a lot to ask of him, or what do you think? I think. I suppose that the 9 and 10 slot has been causing a lot of debate here, Craig, in Ireland, uh, particularly with John Cooney in Ulster's rich vein of form. Like, he seems to be just really driving Ulster forward in Europe, and, and you, you have to give him huge plaudits. Uh, that was a big decision. I thought, though, that uh, picking Murray was sensible, particularly with Caelan Darris at number eight, to have a, a test line there was very, very important. Just the speed of the ball that, that the halfbacks are playing with is different from that that they're in Leinster. So it does open up questions, but there's no obvious out half. There's injuries here, as you well know. So there's no obvious, uh, like the Byrne brothers uh, are, are certainly uh, knocking on, on that door. And uh, there's a couple of special monster out halves as well uh, that are, are knocking about as well. Uh, I think it's a good decision to make second captain. I don't think it's like a long-term decision. I certainly think it's to provide a little bit of, uh, of safety net and uh, a stability uh, in the leadership circles, but there's definitely word around the campfire that there's a loosening of the controls that the, the previous management structure would have had and allowing players to kind of breathe a little bit more oxygen into their brains themselves. And I think sexiness is a good bridge to, to allow that. I'd be very surprised if it's, if it's not looked at from tournament to tournament and certainly with the, um, with the World Cup and a lot of rugby being played, it would be sensible just to keep a tournament to tournament as opposed to a long-term decision. I think someone like a James Ryan is the type of character that will grow into that. He's still relatively young, but there are options of leaders coming through. So the big decision, I think we're very vulnerable against Wales this weekend, extremely, extremely vulnerable, um, because we're not quite bedded into our game plan. And it would be very interesting to see, obviously, what Wales select. But from an Irish point of view, will they go with John Cooney now, um, but there's going to be more reshuffles. So I think Stander would most likely start at eight uh, if Doris isn't, isn't available uh, for whatever games he's not available. So I can't imagine him overly changing it because I do think we are vulnerable this weekend. Well, Liam, funnily enough, both Alan Quinlan and uh, Paul O'Connell uh, said to me that the stated aim of both Sexton and Murray is to go to the next World Cup. Um, he doubted whether they doubted whether he could do it, but they were absolutely in line with you by saying, "Yo, why not give them tournament to tournament, see what comes along, you know, because you've always that in the background." But they also agreed with you about Ryan as potentially the longer-term captain. Oh, there is, and like Ryan, there's been massive change in Irish rugby, and Joe Smith deserves huge credit. For, for what he's doing, but not just him. The province is a, is a completely different rugby environment than when, say, I started playing with the likes of Alan back in the early 90s. Um, and there's a whole new sense of ownership and, and the players themselves. There's just some quality. We, we, we've looked at the academy system that the schools in, uh, in the Dublin area, greater Dublin area, are producing wonderful players. But there's a whole new set of breed of athletes and leader as well. So it isn't, we're not in a dearth of, of leadership. In fact, I think the previous um, regime might have 
dumped it a little bit. I don't think it gave it as much, allowed it to breathe as much as it should do now. But there's lots of lots of really good guys coming through. But certainly James Ryan is right up there. Uh, Caelan Doris Deegan, like a lot of these guys have come through leadership themselves at various underage levels. So I wouldn't fear for that at all. How, how are Ireland going to cope with this new attacking flair Welsh side that's going to be coming across <laughs> the Irish Sea this weekend? Because I... I, I, I I do believe what you said as well. I think I think it's gonna be a tough game for you guys this weekend. I think Stephen Jones has made a huge has made a huge difference already uh, in his time with uh, Wales during the World Cup and uh, start of the new Six Nations. And I think they're going to come over to Dublin this weekend and, and really have a, a real good go at you. Um, how do you think it's going to pan out? Yeah, well, I think it was Wayne Pedrick said, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, "Don't defend the title, go out and win the title." And there's quite a paradox in that because. The last time we played Wales, Wales didn't have to play much rugby at all in order to beat us and win the Grand Slam. In fact, they had the highest attack and success rate of the Six Nations, and 90%. So defence has always been um, their, their kind of the cornerstone. Very, very interesting uh, who their back three are going to be when they come to Dublin next weekend, uh, who their number 13 is going to be, uh, because there's certainly question marks over their outside centre, whoever, I don't know who that might be with the various different uh, permutations there. But certainly if George North, there's no doubt he can tackle, but can he tackle and make decisions at the pace that he's expected to do at a, at a game that level? We don't know. Another interesting thing, watching how Wales played Italy in the first half, they certainly got to the game line as quickly as they possibly could. Like the first five or six lineouts was off the top. In fact, their tries came off off the top in, in essence, and they attacked the blind side quite a lot as well. Um, really trying to get the game way quicker than Italy could do. And I was watching uh, Falatau. Like, I know he's coming back into it and he's such a powerful player, but Pizzuk seems to, or Stephen Jones, seems to place him out in the tram tracks for really long, long periods of time. And if the ball doesn't come his way, he's kind of out of it as well. So I get a sense that Wales themselves are feeling their way through into the new regime and a new style of game but I think that this is something we should be worried about but you know we'll keep our powder dry to receive the team selection because Ireland will be down some key players in, in Gary Ringrose and there's doubts of, of, of others as well so it's going to be pretty interesting You're right uh, Liam it's great to speak to you thank you very much great contributions mate Alright take care guys Cheers mate Very insightful I, I enjoyed that uh, from Liam uh, a lot of uh, Good points uh, made there. It, interestingly, mentioned the the because we can't see this, but we know what it means: the freeing up of of people within a structure. You know, Joe Schmidt obviously, um, you know, was a very very intense and well organised man, and you could see that got Ireland so far. But when they came to two thousand eighteen, and they were at the apex, and then people worked things out. This was necessary, wasn't it? They had to, to start to give a little bit more uh, uh, latitude to, to the players on the field Just, to, to sort yeah. things as they appear. Yeah. More responsibility. I think, uh, I think Johnny Sexton, obviously, he's taken, he always takes on too much responsibility at times. I think the likes of Henshaw and Ringrose and the younger guys need to take on more responsibility. And, uh, you know, the stander in the back row you know these guys they've got to take on more responsibility as well and and the way they played at the weekend I thought Van der Flair was fantastic uh, two massive turnovers oh, in the end yeah. un- unbelievable and, and that's what wins your games you know it's not just the kicks at goal or the fancy tries it's the you know it's those dogs in the ground that are winning ball when they shouldn't when they've got no right to win them 
sometimes illegally, sometimes not. But hey, listen, they they get it, and you you play what's in front of you. And but I think uh, how good I, was Jordan Lama as well? Oh, oh. I mean, in space, you know, Bund- and Bundiaki as well. He's another player who who just every time he plays, he doesn't seem to do much wrong. I just thought Ireland offered very little adventure at the weekend. Really, mm-hmm. I thought I think they need to have more. Um, more deception in that midfield, and if they can do that, you know, like the like the old, old Leinster team used to do, or the current Leinster team are doing at the moment, then you know, I, you know, it's going to be an absolute classic test match next weekend yes, in, in, in Dublin. Yeah. It will be you know a proper test match. The two games next Saturday are going to be you know fascinating to watch. Hello, rugby fans. My name's Danny Boyle, and I'm the Telegraph's commuter editions editor, which means it's my job to provide you with great journalism that makes your journey to and from work as enjoyable as possible. I can't prevent train delays or guarantee you won't get caught in the rain, but I can make sure you're up to date with the best of the Telegraph every morning and evening. My colleague Chris Price and I produce briefings to bring you up to speed in just two minutes at both ends of the day. Now, they're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search The Briefing or follow the link in the show notes to this episode. Well, the defending champions, Wales, they cruised to a bonus, bonus point win over Italy, as they were always probably going to do. Uh, it was Wayne Pivak's first game in charge, but different thing going to Dublin. Why don't we get the thoughts of a regulator contributor to this podcast, former Ospreys head coach, Sean Holly's on the line. Hello, Sean. Hey, mate. Hi, mate. Uh, look, a routine home win against Italy. No, no one suggested it would be any otherwise, but... What did you think stood out um, in, as a hallmark of the new Pivac era within the win? Well, there's a couple of things, really. I think um, they, uh, they showed a lot more endeavour in terms of uh, fielding kicks in the backfield. We were used to seeing Lee Halfpenny and Dan Bigger catching it in the backfield and then kicking it straight back up in the air and winning it in the air. But there was definitely more intent to play the likes of Johnny McNichol uh, and uh, Josh Adams running it back. And they're obviously very dangerous with Liam Williams to come back as well, possibly George North back to the wing. It's it's uh, uh, very evident from that game that was, that was it. Um, the use of Justin Tiprick was a big, big factor, Brian. Um, under the Gatland era, we've seen Justin being used as a line-out option. He was very much used as a playmaker, standing in at scrum half. He was used as a pivot for a front mall. Um, and a front peel. Uh, he was used out in the backs as a decoy and a runner. And I think, you know, that's going to be a significant difference is, is getting those types of players to play in the wider channels and be playmakers. Because when you've got the likes of Falatau and Tiprick in your midst, then they are good ball players. So that was a fundamental difference. I think we're yet to see uh, too much more in the attack. There was evidence of Alan Wynn being in the wide channels with Aaron Wainwright and Tiprick, that might be a significant change because I, I understand that Wayne Pivak thinks that the big men in the middle part of the field are liable to be held up for mall situations. So he goes for the smaller sort of fleet-footed hookers and maybe gets seatbelt penalty tackles as well. So it's, it's it, there were little things in there, but as I said, you have to take into account it was Italy. They were very poor and we got Sterner tests to come. Yeah, well, I mean, that's undoubtedly the truth, but you can only, you know, face what's in front of you. I think, you know, when you look at the performance of Dan Bigger, he's obviously benefited from playing in the setup at Northampton and the way they play, because I've always known that he had a lot more about him than just the, you know, solid, dependable kicking 
side to him. I just wonder what the constituents of the centres and back three might be, given that, you know, Tompkins came off, had a good cameo from the bench. What, what do you think is likely to, 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 to shake down in, in, in the, those areas, in those units? Well, Tompkins really did himself a lot of good, you know, coming on very quickly. Johnny McNichol had a HIA, so he got a quick five, six minutes and made a great turnover and a burst and a break. Um, and then when he came on, eventually, he, he really excelled. And uh, I think it may force Wayne Peabach's hand to pick him uh, in the next game. George North didn't do a lot wrong, but he didn't really, you know, set the world alight either. But, you know, there may be a tendency for Wayne to put an arm around George North, continue him there. And then the man under pressure may be Hadley Parks. He hasn't played very well uh, at the start of the season. He looks a little bit battle-hardened and in need of a rest. Um, my feeling is, though, Brian, if I'm honest, he may go with roughly the same team. Um, uh, it's Ireland away at the end of the day. He wants to build into the championship. Tompkins, I think, because Jonathan Davis is out long-term, will get starts towards the end of the Six Nations. But he may just feel he needs to start with a similar sort of team um, just to take on the, the, the sort of most savvy Irish in Ireland. So, but Tompkins, for me, did a, himself a world of good. Hi, Sean. Craig Tamers here. How are you doing? How are you doing, Craig? All right? Good, mate. Good. Is that who you would go at 13? You go with th- Tompkins in this game? or I thought I thought George North, actually, he, okay, I know he was playing the centre, He's one player that you've got to get the ball in his hands far more often. And, and I think sometimes he gets a little bit lazy. He waits for the ball to come to him. I thought in the game on Saturday, he actually, he actually went looking for it a little bit more. You know, came, yeah, in, some, came, right. came in some short, short angles, and which led to one of his tries. So. You're right. I mean, at 13, he's forced into the game, isn't he? And I think that's what Pivas trying to do is his form and his... His sort of confidence has been low, so I think he wanted to get him in there and, and, and play him and sort of nurture him through. And I think it's a good tactic, Craig, because George perhaps isn't as strong mentally as some of the other players, and uh, he certainly grew in the game. And, you know, when he got his try, because he had one disallowed, you could see a little bit more oomph from him. Um, and there's a big clamber down here in Wales to pick Tompkins off the back of that. I... I and I know we've got him now, he's capped, and I think we can bring him on. I think we need to nurture George because, as you rightly say, he's a big, big player for Wales. And um, if we've got a fully fire in George North, then um, he's going to really add value, along with, you know, if he's playing 13, McNichol, who's got more to come, Josh Adams, who's on fire, and then Lee Halfman, he's playing well, but you've got Liam Williams to come back eventually. So <laughs> there's a lot of cards to use there. It's a good position to be in. I think George as well. George is a you know great player. I think Dan Berger will thrive under the under Stephen Jones. I believe. I think you'll see even more from him in the in the coming games. But George North, not just carrying the ball, but a decoy as well. You, you know, he attracts players towards him, so he's going to make space for others uh, to then you know run into holes outside, inside, wherever. So I think Wales have got to. They will use him really, really intelligently, and you'll see a lot more of George North in this Six Nations, hopefully. Yeah, and I, I think Tompkins can really add value off the bench, you know, um, and then eventually we'll get a start. But I agree with you, Craig, on uh, Dan Bigger. You know, he's, I did a little bit on the TV last night, he's playing flatter to the line, he's playing with a lot of confidence. 
you know, he's he's taken his recent club form now straight back into the Six Nations. And uh, interestingly, they give him the kicking duties ahead of Lee Halfpenny, which would suggest that Liam Williams may come back in later on in the tournament. But he's just running the show at the moment, a bit like Stephen Jones used to do when he was playing for Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, uh, final question. Always a big area, but uh, the back row battle will be important out in Dublin. Aaron Wynn, right? is proving, you know, to be an exceptional uh, starter at six at the moment. And you've got Fartow back. Didn't quite work, I think, as well as it will do because, you know, of the relative uh, lack of number of times the combination's played. But how do you think they'll cope with, uh, with the Irish back row? I, I think they'll do well. I think CJ Standerbray was amazing for Ireland on the weekend. Um, I'm a big Omani fan, and I'm wondering whether Keelan Doris has had such a knock that he won't be available. It's a real shame, but Omani's the type of guy who can stop Wales along with Stander and Josh van der Fleer. I think Wainwright's been a real find. There's, um, there's a, a, a train of thought down here that Ross Moriarty should play, but I thought we saw on the weekend that Wainwright now is the line-out option that allows and frees up Justin Tipperick. Faletau needed the game. He needed to get back in a red shirt, but he's our world-class number eight, and he'll get better as the tournament goes on. So I think that combination is good at the moment, and I think the Irish will look at that and think, do you know what? That's a pretty good balance. Yeah. You know, you put the rest of our pack in there with Alan Wynn, you know, captain fantastic, and it's going to be a tight, tight game. I, I was really pleased with the way Scotland played. And it showed that Ireland is still just a little bit vulnerable. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be really close and maybe there'll be a defining moment in the game. I'm sure you're right. Uh, great to speak to you as always. Thanks very much, Sean Holly. Cheers, Cheers boys. Let's take a few Twitter questions, uh, Craig. Uh, from Martin Drum, what do you think can be done to resolve the Finn Russell situation. Well, we've been over that, haven't we? Got to apologise. Yeah. He's got to apologise. He's got to, he's got to you know, get himself back across to Scotland, get himself meeting McGregor and Stuart Hogg, apologise to the team, do what he's got to do. We need to get him back in the Scottish squad. It's not going to be this week, but there's three, three games after that and he's a key player for Scotland, not just, not just this season, but for years to come. And yeah, eat some, eat some humble pie, Finn. Wind your neck in and get back involved. Craig Watson, Craig Watson, do we need to stop putting players in the sim bin for 10 minutes for simulation? It's creeping into the game, needs to be stopped, players shouldn't be trying to get each other sent off. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. Totally. Completely. Totally. And you have to have zero tolerance on this because we all know where this goes. We've all watched Premier League football yep. and if players can do it and get away with it and success and get rewards from it, they will do. And it can make a huge difference to the game as well. So, you know, listen, if you get a penalty, you're simulating and it's, and it's not not legal... Then should be reversed. Should be reversed. Yep. Ten minutes, get in the bin, and you know, they won't do it again. Exactly, that's the point. If you make... The time to make the stand, the stand is now. You yep. can't do it when you've, you know, when you've allowed little bits in. You know, it's not part of the game, never has been part of the game, thankfully, and we don't want it to be. Quite right. Um, lastly, um, Thomas, uh, who do you make as favourites for the title? France look strong, Wales play away, um, Wales of England and Ireland away, Ireland unconvincing. I think the likely winners probably will come from the game in Dublin, of the overall thing, I think, at the moment. I still think the French... Um, look, I, I remain to be proved wrong, they may well prove me wrong, um, 
a really good start, but they were at home. England, remember, have lost four out of the last five games in in in, in Paris in the Six Nations, so they're not good out there. The, there's a lot more to to come from them to, in this sense. If they'd carried on from the 17 points they put on and just cruised away, but they didn't. And there was a point in which, had England scored again, which they might have done, you know, it would have been a three-point game. Now, when you're 17 points up, you should put these games to bed, and they didn't. You should, but, you know... They were the better team, undoubtedly. But let's not, let's that's, not. England, that's the question mark England, for me. England didn't play well. Okay, they, they froze a bit. There was lack of communication. There was lack of urgency um, in, the, in the ranks. But France, you know, France are a good side. They're a young side, very, very young side. You know, Eddie Jones went across there, maybe a bit overconfident. Um, with the same players that played in that World Cup that beat New Zealand in that mm-hmm. semi-final. But, you know, I, I think France, I think France have got massive potential. And, and it might not be this year. But I think, I think, yeah, I think that, that's all I'm saying. I think just this, this, this time round, I think because of all the reasons you said, the winners of this, of this tournament this year are likely to come from the game in Dublin. I think Wales. I think personally Wales. They've, they've, they've got good fixtures. They've got, they've got to come to Twickenham. It's going to be a massive test for them. But um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think... Well, if, by the if, time if, they if, come to Twickenham, England could be desperate. Yeah, they could be. I mean, I mean, this, this is a, the, the pressure this weekend is all on all on England. Um, I think it's going to be two fantastic test matches. But you know, to I think Wales will. I think personally, Wales will go to Ireland and nick it. I, I really do. I just I just think it's uh, you know they're playing good rugby. It'll be a hard, much harder test, obviously, than they've had the last couple of games against the Babas and and Italy. And Italy looked like uh, they just looked like they're going to get a couple of Haydens over the next couple of weeks. Well, that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with the Telegraph. Thank you to my co-host Craig Chalmers and to all our guests. I'll be back every Monday evening doing the Six Nations from all the usual places you get your podcasts from. So if you enjoyed this episode, why not tell others? Download it, make sure you disseminate the information as far and wide as you can, and if you want to, leave a review. But for now, it's goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,